This story you're about to hear requires a bit of a history lesson. I'll try and keep it simple. Before Spain was the country that it is today, it was a barely populated area called Hispania made up of smaller areas. It was and still is the part of Europe that's closest to Africa. Over the years, the land was taken over and ruled by different outsiders. You had the Romans, then the Visigoths, who came from an area somewhere around Germany, then the Muslims, who were eventually pushed out by Christian rulers from the north of Spain in the 15th century. For reference, this is around the same time as Columbus moving over to America. Of course, the full story is much more detailed, but I want to get to the point. Northern Spain, the part furthest away from Africa, was the part of Spain that always did its own thing. Unlike the South, Northern Spain always stayed strong against the different outsiders that came in. Where the South was a melting pot of Christian, Jewish, Arab, and North African cultures and influence, the North held onto first its pagan and then its Christian roots. One of the most important areas in the North was Oviedo, located in the area of Asturias. At some point, it was the capital of the Northern Spanish Kingdom. So if you're looking at a map of Spain, Oviedo would be somewhere near the top right of the country kind of where Montana is on the map of the United States. Anyway, Oviedo has traditionally been one of the areas of Spain least open to outsiders. It just so happens that in 2014, Lashida, a young African-American hijabi, decided to study abroad in no other than, right, Oviedo. But I'll let her tell the story. Oviedo, Spain is northern Spain. It's not near any of the popular sites such as Barcelona. It's five hours away from Madrid and it's nowhere near Sevilla or Granada, which are southern. This is episode two, La Extraña. first three hours I was fine, I was eating on a plane, everything, and next thing you know, the last three hours I was sick to my stomach, I felt like I wanted to throw up. And I don't know if it was because of my nerves, if I was like super anxious and that's what caused it, or if it was the flight itself, or the food, I had no idea. But I didn't feel better, I didn't even eat the whole day when I got to Spain, I didn't eat for hours because I didn't have an appetite. The only thing I wanted to drink was like a ginger ale or something similar to like calm my stomach or like to not have me feel like I wanted to throw up. Actually before the trip, I saw that we had a Facebook page for the group. So I added a couple people like just to talk to them and all that stuff. So at least I'll be acquainted with someone when I get off the plane. And you know, we decided that we will meet up after the flight. So we all like went to the money exchange at the airport so we could be able to pay for the taxi to take us to our hotel. Um, and then we end up riding the cab together to a hotel or hostel rather in Madrid. And we had orientation. I noticed that I was the only black Muslim woman there. Um, and then other than that, there was another black woman and a group of 25 of us. So, and there was like uh, maybe three Hispanics. We only stayed in Madrid for about a week, but like every day we had something to do. So we went to nearby cities like Toledo, Seville and a few other cities. 
and did like tours around there, took pictures. We had a guide. In Madrid itself is very diverse. You'll see all different types of people walking around. People who are from from Arabia, from Belgium, from Germany, whatever. It's very easy to run into individuals from a different nationality. Uh, one couple, they stopped me because they thought I spoke Arabic because I wore a scarf. Uh, so they started talking to me in Arabic, asking me where something was, like a rest, like a, a halal restaurant. The problem with that was I couldn't speak back to them even though I knew what they were saying. So I asked them in English if they spoke English or Spanish. So they said Spanish and I told them where the restaurant was in Spanish. So they were able to figure it out from there. I was really excited like at first to leave Madrid, even though I love Madrid for its diversity um, and for its things, you know, for having a lot of things to do. Um, but I was just like, okay, I'm ready to like live with my host family, like get that whole thing over with, like to be acquainted with them and explore the small city. Arriving to Oviedo, I looked around immediately to see if I would see other black people <laughs> because I just wanted to see what their like diversity was like. So I was just looking around for people who were different from like being a typical Spaniard, for example. I read in, in the description that the area is rainy and cloudy and cold. first host family I lived with was a man and his wife. The wife was a smoker. She had like bronchitis. So it was really, really difficult to understand her Spanish. But the husband, on the other hand, when he spoke to me, like I understood everything so easily. So he would be the one to talk to me or to ask me questions or tell me what to do. But the mom, every time she would say something, I had it took me a really long time to get used to like what she would say to me. It was interesting because my first day, like as soon as I got there, I wanted to take a shower, you know, because you're traveling for five hours and it was just like something like I just wanted to do and I got there. So when I got in the shower, I got out the shower, it was a mist of warm air because it's cold outside. I want to take a warm shower. So when I got out, my um, host mom, she noticed that, like, you know, mist coming from the shower. So she was like, oh, like, you know, you can't use the hot water because it's expensive. And I'm like, what? She's like, yeah, you can't use the hot water because it's expensive here. And I'm like, okay. I just said, okay, to shut the conversation down. But I'm like, I don't know what this lady's talking about, but I'm not taking a cold shower and it is cold outside. So I continue to take a hot shower every day because, yeah. But what I would do is open up, after I was done my shower, I open up the window inside of the bathroom so it can let all the mist out and I wipe the mirrors down so it looked like I didn't take a warm shower. <laughs> so I started school pretty much immediately. I took about four or five classes. They were all in Spanish, no English. The first two weeks um, being in Oviedo or in Spain in general, like I felt like I was getting tongue-tied, like I didn't know what the heck I was saying. Like even though I would know the words on paper, but like to actually articulate the words was really difficult at first and I looked so stupid, like asking for things, like for people in the store. Like I'm like, where is this? And I'm like, oh my god, I know this word. And I'm just sitting there standing there stupid, like trying to figure out the word. For the first 
two or three days, the host dad welcomes me to the school, so at least I don't know how to get there. Um, but I got lost because some of the streets still split off into another street. Um, and they had like the roundabouts and I just forget which place I was to go down. Uh, but I found my way eventually without using GPS. I would just figure, find my way home. So Oviedo is a medieval looking city. Almost every store says sale, 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 but it might not, it might not really have things on sale. <laughs> They're known for their cathedral, which is very, very old. And they're known for like the markets that are nearby. They have um, people outside selling things. They call it a small city, but it's really like rural. Like you could see like mountains in the background, hills, you could see a statue of Jesus at the very, very top. It was a city full of old people. like. It seems like a place where people are just going to retire and they want like a slow-paced life. So, but the Spanish people over there, they were very short, white, and people, I mean, they all say they're Christian, but my host mom told me like people don't really go to church anymore. But me, on the other hand, like I walk around, I wear a kimar. I'm tall and I'm black, so I got a lot of stares. Um, even... Uh, there was another uh, lady I met, or a student, but she was from another university in America who happened to be African from Ivory Coast. We hung out a lot, so when we would go around the city together, people would like watch us talk to each other and watch us interact. Like it was very like uncomfortable, very frustrating. But uh, we learned to just pretty much ignore it because as long as they don't say anything or do anything that that furthered the frustration or whatever of the situation and we just let it be but yeah that was one major and obvious like struggle uh, my host family like the woman she would just be like she would say things to me like oh why do you wear your scarf like that you look like an old person you should wear it like this like recommending me to do certain things with my scarf but i mean at the same time they were curious like oh like do you guys eat this why don't you guys eat that like and they try to work around it they knew i didn't eat the pork and pork is their specialty so it was really like a struggle to find good food that didn't involve pork in it so i had to navigate around that like just to avoid meat products in general because i didn't want to set myself up so i just stuck with a lot of seafood the first host family, um, I noticed like over time, like I wasn't really happy with them as my host family. At the time, I did express to family, friends uh, what was going on. That number one, like they never toured the city with me. Like they never showed me where popular um, areas are to shop, where it's the best place to get certain things. If I wanted to gifts for family or for friends, like they didn't recommend anything. They just wanted me to get out and go somewhere, but they didn't wait more willing to show me. Secondly, when they had family come over, like they never introduced me. They would have uh, lunch with them at a certain time and then they'll make me either eat before or after the family members would come. So I didn't really feel like I was being part of the, the family, even though like I'm living with them. On top of that, I felt like the host mom was being pretty much like she wasn't very respectful when it came to like religion like she wasn't being um sensitive towards that the fact that she just wanted to say whatever she wanted to say about like what, what i'm wearing and how i look in it and like it was just too much 
So I was just like, I had enough. So I told my director, who thankfully was there present in Oviedo with the group. So he made the change right away and I was off into another host family. But that was very short-lived. Um, I was only there for maybe three to five days. It was very interesting because when I had a friend with me who helped me move my suitcases and everything to uh, the new place I was going. So the host family immediately assumed that it was my friend that it was going to be staying with them and not. And she didn't even ask, like she just assumed that it was going to be my friend that was going to be living with them. So I'm like, hmm, that's interesting how she thought that. And then, um, oddly enough, like with my friend present at the time, she mentioned out of the blue, like, oh yeah, I don't care like what race or religion. Like my friend was African, but we both were black, obviously, but just that I wore a scarf, she didn't. So I don't know what type of, like what was the main difference in her mind. Me and my friend, like we was thinking after the whole thing, like that's weird that she's mentioning it out of nowhere. Like who cares? Like if you really don't care, you won't mention it. Like, you know, I continue to like pay attention to, you know, certain things. She was very, very surprised that I understood a lot when she would talk to me and what everybody else would say around me. So I don't think she particularly, I don't think she liked that. And at one point, I don't know what I did in my blow dryer, but I asked her if I could borrow her so I can dry my hair. And she had a problem with that. I could see it with her body language, like she didn't really like that. And because I was used to the first host family's door, when I shut the door, it automatically locks. I assumed the same thing would happen with her door, so it opened back up and I didn't know. So she told me like, oh my God, you left the door open. She complained that like, you left the door open and there's robbers around here in this neighborhood, etc. So I'm like, oh, okay, I'm sorry, like it won't happen again. And it didn't happen again. And from there, I answered the phone one time when she wasn't home. No one was home. It was her, the mom. She was living with her, well, her mom and her dad, who were very, very old and fragile people. So no one was home. I was home. I heard the phone ringing. And I thought to myself, hmm, I wonder if that's the host mom because she doesn't have my cell phone number. I just moved here. So I go and run and I answer the phone thinking it was her, but it was the host mom's daughter. You know, I introduced myself. I told her who I was and I said that, you know, the mom wasn't there. And I told her, like, you know, I'll let her know that you called. So I ended the call. And when the mom came back home, I told her, like, hey, this person called. And she was like, well, is it normal for you to answer someone's phone when they're not here? And I said to myself, well, you don't have my cell phone. And I thought it was you calling for me. And she left it at that. Then from there, that's when I, you know, maybe like a day or so later, I get an email from my director saying, like, you know, I would like to meet with you or whatever. So I'm like, hmm, I wonder what's this about? And when I met with the director, he told me that the whole family wanted me to leave. So I'm like, okay. And I told him like what it could possibly be, which was, you know, the door and answering the phone. So he was like, yeah, that's what she said in the email. And I'm like, well, that's stupid. And then he said, yeah, I know. He was like, you know what? Since she's already like nitpicking about these certain things, I need you to get out there as soon as possible. So I'm gonna, you know, find another family for you. I'm like, oh, freaking great, okay. So, Knowing that information, I didn't say anything to the host mom about, you know, the director meeting with me. I basically, I just act like she didn't do what she did. But I noticed, like, you know, she didn't make dinner. Like, I was just like, really? Like, I gotta go, like, either buy dinner myself or make it myself. So it was just, like, very, like, disrespectful, inconsiderate of her to do. So then, like, the, the day that I was actually gonna move, we actually sat down and we had lunch. And she said, oh, um... She said, uh, are you moving out today? I said, yeah, like, 
I knew several days ago or a couple of days ago that I was going to leave. And she was like, oh, like, because I guess I handled myself so well, like knowing that I was leaving, knowing that she sent the email to the director about kicking me out. Like she expected me maybe to just leave immediately or like to act a certain way, like to be spiteful, but I didn't do anything like that. So she was really like, you know, surprised in her body language or whatever, but I let it go. And I'm just like, I just hope whatever judgments or whatever biases that she has, that she checks them. I knew a girl from high school who was an exchange student, but she was Moroccan and Algerian. She lives in France, and when I went to Spain, I was able to reconnect with her. I've been talking to her on and off anyway before the trip, but when I was actually, you know, just one country over, I decided like to spend a week or two with her family. So it was a place for me to have, like, you know, somebody you actually spoke with, I would still have connections to, and you're able to still have like a good time and have somebody show you to have a good time, and it's more fun than like exploring places on your own. Cuando yo fui a Francia, yo, yo reuní con una amiga mía, uh, se llama Mary. Ella me invitó a su casa para dormir, comer y pasar tiempo con su familia. Ella vivía con su tía, su tío y los nietos y sobrinos, pero ella trabajó mucho, entonces yo tenía que gastar tiempo con una amiga de ella. The last and final family I moved with it was a family of three. It was a husband, wife, and 10-year-old child. Very nice family, very respectful, very attentive. I think I was the first host person that they had, so they were very, like, they took me to the market with them to pick out what type of food I like. Like, it was very, like, it was like a three, like, 60, like, on everybody. Like, nobody took me out to the market to see what I wanted to eat. I told them I don't like pork, so they worked around that. They took me to certain sites, like, for certain things. Like, oh, yeah, this is a good place for, you know, certain things. Like, they were very, like, you know, attentive, and they were showing me around. And when I mentioned to them at the end, I didn't tell them about the previous experiences that I had with the host family because I didn't want them to freak out like oh like or like to be like on guard like watching for me to mess up or like to do something so but I told him at the very end maybe a day before I left I said you know this is my third host family he was like oh my god they were like why like you're not a problem at all so it was just really interesting of an experience but I'm glad that I had a chance to speak with or like to be with the host family that was very you know more respectful and they asked questions and they were very curious about you know the slam so it was refreshing but you know at the same time it was very frustrating like to move from family to family even though i didn't particularly enjoy the circumstances i try to find ways to make it fun for myself for example when i try to get exposure to at least pick up spanish more i made like a post to like say like i'm seeking individuals who want to practice english with me and then i'll you know i'll practice my spanish with them so i got a lot of emails after the posting so i was able to have like three partners that i met with like every week or every other week and we would like read articles we would share with each other we learn words so that really helped me a lot when it came to learning the like colloquial language and also learn how to say things the way that it's supposed to be said. If I didn't know how to speak Spanish, I'll be limited in like the type of connections I'll be able to make with people. Come back home, I'm just like, oh my God. Like it was, it was different. My senses to Philly became more heightened. Like I started to notice like certain things, like to be more observant. I'm just like, oh my gosh, like Philly is so loud and 
it's dirty, like compared to where I stayed. So like coming back home, it's just like, I had to re-accustom myself like to the environment again. Um, and I didn't particularly miss Oviedo, but I can appreciate my experience because I did meet some my, my professors um, and some of the people that you know, some of the students and you know, traveling a bit to see like old friends and having exposure to different parts of Spain. It's easier to travel from one country to the next in Europe, but like traveling throughout the U.S. is not, it's not really like the same. Yes, different parts of uh, the U.S. are different from other parts, but you're still in the U.S. Like you're not experiencing a, diff a totally different culture, a language, not necessarily. This has been For Colorful Girls. Sound by freesound.org. Music by Lita Pimienta, licensed under an attribution non-commercial license from freemusicarchive.org. For more information about the songs and the sounds that we use, along with transcripts of each episode, you can visit forcolorfulgirls.com. Thank you to everyone who listened to, shared, and sent feedback about the first episode. I'm beyond grateful, and I hope you'll keep listening.